The epistle reading this morning is from James chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers, but forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You have may have noticed that a lot of things are easier said than done. It is easier to say that you want to lose some weight than it is, in fact, to lose some weight It's easier to say that you are going to go to the gym five days a week than it is to actually get to the gym five days a week. It's easier to say that you want to have children than it is to raise children. It's easier to say a lot of things than it is to actually do them. It's easier to say that you are a Christian than it is to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Talk, it turns out, is cheap. Lots of things pass. Looks good, talks good, but doesn't actually follow up with their actions. The scriptures have a lot to say about this, and it's a tricky thing. Here it is. I am somebody who, among other things, is... um, paid to talk, paid to talk about being a Christian, and that's dangerous business as it is for all of us to come to church every Sunday and to say that we are Christians. And it's so easy to be then branded a hypocrite because we don't live up to all that we espouse to honor and cherish. This is part of what the author of the book of James is getting at. Now, uh, for the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about James. Maybe you don't know this epistle very well. So we're going to be talking about James. Most of you know that I am a, a pastor that tends to 
tends to, not always, but a good 90% of the time, I use what's called the lectionary, which is a three-year cycle of scripture readings uh, that sort of draws our attention to the whole Bible. It would be a very tempting thing as a pastor to just focus on the parts of the scripture that I like or my favorite parts, and we could just preach on that every Sunday and y'all would be very bored. Uh, But the lectionary sort of keeps all of us honest. It makes us look at the whole scripture. And so this month, the lectionary epistle reading each week during the the year, there's a gospel reading, an epistle reading, an Old Testament reading, and a psalm. This this month, we're we're looking at James. So we're going to go ahead and do that this month. Now, you may recall, of course, that the New Testament, our Christian scriptures, are are essentially divided, divided up in two, let's say, three parts. The Gospels, there are how many? Four Gospels, and they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very good. And then there are a whole bunch of epistles. Now, epistles are letters. Some of the letters, many of them, most of them really, are written to churches. So you have the epistle to the church in Rome, Romans, or Galatians, written to the churches in Galatia, or Ephesians, written to the church in Ephesus. James and Jude are two other kinds of epistles. They're, they're both very small. Y'all, y'all could, if, you, if the sermon gets boring today, you could read James just in the next 20 minutes. But James and Jude are what we call Catholic epistles, Catholic with a little c, which means a universal epistle. That was, it's not written to a particular community or to a particular person, but rather to all Christians in all communities. James we're not really sure. We think that this book is James. Uh, there are lots of James in the New Testament. Um, this book is, is attributed often to James, the brother of Jesus, so a pretty early disciple. Um, most scholars say it was probably written by the community of James's disciples, and this is, this is very common in the ancient world that that you would, if you were a disciple of somebody, that you would write in their name even after they died. And so we, in our 21st century eyes, look at that as plagiarism. In the ancient world, that's not how they saw it. It was you were a disciple of that person, and so you wrote in their name. And that's probably what's happening here with James, is that it was written by the community that followed James, the brother of Jesus. So that's what we've got here. What seems to be clear as we read James is that there was a lot of conflict in the early church. Shocking. Can you believe there was conflict in a church of all things? This sort of thing never happens. Never, ever happens. And it turns out that people were mean to each other. Mean in a church. Can you imagine that? They were backbiting, and they were just saying nasty things. And so James writes this epistle, and there's just kind of a theme that goes through it, and it was read uh, for you, Melaine just read it, about being not just people who hear the Word, but people who do the Word of God. Now, you will remember from Jesus' teachings that the thing that got Jesus more upset than most anything, and this happens in a lot of his stories and parables and interactions with religious people, were religious people who were more interested in piety 
That is, all of the outside trappings of being religious. Not, there's nothing wrong with piety, but piety that was defined by keeping pure, keeping clean, not working on the Sabbath, all of these things that sort of defined. And so then you could, you could mark somebody as either pious or unpious by sort of keeping to any one of the 617 laws. So piety became a matter of of legal action or inaction. And, and when piety or when religiosity becomes legalistic, it becomes very, very dangerous. We can see this in Christianity over and over and over again. When we become more concerned about legalism than we are about the grace of God, we get in trouble. So for, for James and for his community, there was an issue as often happens, with people talking, lots of good religious talk, talking about how faithful and pious they were while backbiting one another and stabbing one another in the back and just being generally nasty. And James says, cool it. But James is not just about, no, no, don't do that. For him, it's about who we are in God. And he he talks about um, meekness that is implanted the word of God in us. And scholars talk about that sense. James has the sense of being implanted, implanted or stamped or marked from our very beginning with the word of God on our souls. Now think about that. Theologically, scripturally, that goes way back to the beginning of Genesis where it says that we are created in the image of God. Scholars call that the imago Dei, to be created in the image of God. Now, I think that for most of us, our spiritual lives, that is the crux of the matter. If we can understand ourselves and everyone else as created in the image of God, our worldview shifts because we see ourselves as people who reflect God. And if we reflect God, if we are in our very being, in our very souls, stamped, implanted with the essence of God, That is love and grace and mercy and kindness and wisdom and peace that you and I, that that is just the very essence of who we are. If you do nothing else this week, nothing else, will you just reflect on that for three minutes a day? If you can let that sense of being created in the image of God, imagine all of the goodness of God is a part of the very essence of your soul. If you can let that sink in, it changes. It changes you. And then, if you can imagine that everybody else is also stamped and marked with that image of God, created in the image of God, 
then any situation of unkindness, any situation of judgment, any situation of injustice becomes an affront to God. It becomes an affront to your spirit because it's not of God. James calls these early followers of Christ back to that very, very fundamental truth of who we are, that if we are created in the image of God, then we are created good, and we are created kind, and we are created merciful, and we are created wise, and we are created to know peace, peace in our inward being. And we are called to reflect that. He uses the term to be reflected like a mirror. And he says that a lot of people see that reflection, walk by that mirror. And in the ancient world, they didn't have mirrors. They might have had polished uh, metal. But anyway, you walk by that mirror and you look at it and then you just carry on as if nothing else changes. That's not good. James invites us to to not just walk by and say, oh yeah, yeah, created the image of God. Now, I'm going to do what I want over here. But rather, to then, but for those who look and see the perfect law, that is the perfect image of God, the Imago Dei, the law of liberty, and then persevere, that's where true religion is. It's, it's to be not just hearers of the word, he says, but doers. I had a neighbor one time that um, was... Um, I don't know what I would describe her religion as other than she, she needed to define herself over against my religion. And so she was kind of like pagan stuff. I don't know. She was in all, all kinds of stuff. But, but she would say to me repeatedly, you know, the, o- the only religion I trust, if, if a religion doesn't produce joy, then it's not a good religion. And, and I couldn't argue with her on that. and I, I had no intention of arguing with her on anything. It was fine with me. Um, and yet, I, I thought about that a lot over the years. Because religion, indeed, to be created in the image of God, that ought to free some love and joy in you. If it doesn't free some love and joy in you, you might do some more pray on, praying on that, more centering in God's spirit. That sense of what does religion what is the evidence of religion in your life? What is the evidence of knowing God in your life? If the evidence of knowing God in your life is simply that you're more legalistic, you're more condemning of people who aren't like you, you might be doing it wrong. If the evidence of the love of God in your life is that you are in fact more loving, more gracious, in fact you care more about other people, you might be on to something. James says it this way, religion that is pure and undefiled before the God the Father is this, to care for the widow and orphan in distress. Cause and effect. To know oneself as a child of God, creating the image of God. To know oneself as loved and redeemed by God's grace and mercy causes one to seek to love and redeem others. It has a cause and effect. It makes us want to reach out into the world, not just be people who hear the word and keep it to ourselves, but people who hear the word of God, who hear about God's love, and then turn around and bring God's love into the world. 
not just merely hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So this week I want to call upon us. You know, the scriptures should never leave us the same. We should read them, we should ruminate on them, we should pray on them, and we should come back next Sunday different disciples. We should come back every Sunday different because we have been working with God's word. And so let this word seep into you. Let this idea that God's love is stamped on your very being. Like I said, meditate on that one this week. The idea that you are created in the image of God. Let that be. And that every other person in creation also created in the image of God. Let that sink in. And then be thinking, how, how do we respond to that being not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word? People that see the needs in our community, widows, orphans, or any other marginalized group. Those were two very marginalized groups in the ancient world. And respond. We here at Riviera try to provide lots of opportunities for you to respond, whether it's working with Toberman or Loaves and Fishes or, or learning at the United Methodist Women's um, Day of Social Action about immigration, whether it's whatever. We, we want to provide opportunities. The, certainly the Enneagram class is an opportunity to sort of think about our essence and who we are and how we're interacting in the world. Lots of opportunities to grow in our faith. So as we begin a sort of homecoming Sunday is not really a new season in the church, but it's a time of the year where we start to think about buckling down and, and sort of learning new things. And so let's, let's be thinking this week about what it means to be created in the image of God and what it means to, to hear that with our ears, but to live that with our lives in ways that stretch us and challenge us and move us so that we are people who reflect God's love in the world. Let us pray. God, you have created us out of love. You have formed us in love. And you call us to love. Help our religion be a reflection of your love and kindness, your peace and justice in the world. May we see those who are in need. And may we respond with our whole lives and with our whole hearts. Talk is cheap, God. Help us to respond. Help us to listen to Christ's word among us and to live in love. For we ask it in his name. Amen.